生的身躯，然后我扫得低一支军队，先知过去如水。Hey, welcome back to the program. What are you listening to right here? What is what is that? What is that? What you, Alan, what are you playing for me? Well, well, that's a little Denise Ho singing there for you. And the style of music I want you to pay attention to, it, it's called canto pop. And what canto pop is? Is it's gen- okay? Thanks, Loretta. Canto <laughs> uh, pop is um, it's kind of you know syrupy ballads. Um, Sung in Can- Cantonese, and it's closely associated with Hong Kong. Now, right now, like K-pop, if I said K-pop to you, you probably know what that is, right? Well, Canto Pop used to be very, very popular, and it's kind of receded a little bit right now. But right now, there's a, an interesting intersection between music and politics in Hong Kong. As we see China, again, moving in, taking away rights. There's protests about you know, democracy being just stripped from Hong Kong. And so how does that play in to the culture and to the music? And my next guest has a fascinating piece in the Globe and Mail. Adrian Lee is an editor in the Globe and Mail's opinion section and the host of the Globe's Future of Cities podcast, City Space. Adrian, welcome to the program. I learned so much from your piece, you know, a couple of years ago, a number of years ago, I was in Hong Kong and the sort of you know, the soundscape of Canto Pop in every store was was so captivating. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, what Canto Pop means to Hong Kong and its own self-identity? Yeah, I, th- I mean, it's, it's a bit of a complicated question as we get into the piece. You know, for one thing, I think it, it matters to folks in Hong Kong just because it's sung in Cantonese. And Cantonese is a language that, you know, comes from Guangdong province in China, but uh, really is the main language and has been the main language in Hong Kong for a long time. Uh, that's been challenged by China, which uh, in, in recent years has tried to install Mandarin more explicitly as the official language in China, which uh, now includes Hong Kong. Uh, and so part of the appeal of Cantopop really is the fact it's sung in a language that is very healthy. A lot of people in, in Cantonese uh, speak it still, and yet is strangely dying. Um, and then there's also just the fact that it sounds so 70s, 80s, 90s. And for a lot of people, that's the golden age of Hong Kong. You know, this was this transition period where it was trying to find itself. It enjoyed a huge amount of economic success. Uh, and really harkens folks back to a time when I think for a lot of people things made more sense. Things were simpler. Things were, you know, Hong Kong had a, had a clear identity. Um, it's not particularly protest music, but it just in in the terms of geopolitics right now, its its existence is somewhat a protest in itself. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. You know. We shouldn't deny that that Canto Pop has uh, spoken to politics before. You know, some of its, uh, you know, two of its leading lights, Anita Mui and and Leslie Chung, have had lyrics that many have read as criticisms of the Hong Kong government, criticisms of the Chinese government, criticisms of the 1997 handover uh, from Britain to China. Um, that being said, uh, it is not necessarily explicitly political. It has never has has rarely been explicitly political. Um, but lately, I think one of the things that has has become more overt, in particular because of uh, Denise Ho, a Canadian citizen and canto pop singer who was arrested uh, for the second time in a year uh, very recently. You know, she's a canto pop star now, and she 
has explicitly been pro-democracy, explicitly anti-Beijing, uh, and as a result has suffered for that. She has uh, been banned from the mainland. Her music uh, is basically, uh, have, has been erased across swaths of Asia. Um, and yet she remains a star in Hong Kong. Uh, and I think that speaks to the politics of this music, the politics of a music that has really declined, uh, you know, in terms of the numbers of people who listen to it in recent decades. Part of that is because of the music itself, potentially sounding a little uh, dated. But part of it is also, you know, China moves markets. And if you don't have access to the Chinese market, uh, I don't think you're going to succeed very much uh, uh, financially. I don't think Canadians know a lot about Denise Ho. I, I'm wondering if we should be more in tune to a, a Canadian who's being arrested by the Chinese government. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would argue that uh, Canadians and folks around the world should be more in tune with the folks who have been arrested. I mean, Denise Ho is just the latest. We've seen a lot of crackdowns on uh, uh, newspapers, on, on, on digital news outlets in Hong Kong. And that's uh, in part why was she why she was arrested most recently, accused of, uh, you know, being involved in seditious, uh, being involved in seditious uh, uh, materials uh, there in Hong Kong. But Denise Ho grew up in Montreal. She spent a lot of her childhood here. She does performances here as well and has a pretty good uh, fan base here. Um, and yeah, I, I think uh, her arrest signals something deeper about uh, the state of Hong Kong and the state of uh, China more broadly. What is the future of Canto Pop? Is it destined to be looking in the rearview mirror, a sort of rose-colored glass look back at the golden time of Hong Kong? Yeah, I think it's a tricky question to answer. And, and if I'm being honest, I think the, the answer is its future is pretty grim. I mean, it has the sales have plunged uh, around 80% since its heyday. Um, and a lot of that is to do with, again, the, the sound of Canto Pop being very, uh, you know, syrupy, very sort of 70s, 80s nostalgic. Um, but again, that nostalgia also kind of holds it back from being something more than it wants to be. Certainly, pop music and modern pop music can be sung in Cantonese. You know, what we're talking about when we talk about Canto Pop really is something that is a little bit backward looking. And to some degree, I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, uh, Leslie Chung and Anina Mui are, are heroes in households uh, in Hong Kong, in the Hong Kong diaspora, the world over, including mine. Uh, there's, there's something amazing about having iconic culture and iconic music that people get attached to for a certain state and time. I think that also, though, holds back uh, what we're talking about when we talk about music and its growth. Adrian, fascinating. I learned so much from your piece. Thank you again. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. That's Adrian Lee, who is an editor in the Globe and Mail's opinion section, and you can read his piece, The History of Canto Pop is the History of Hong Kong. It is online right now. I learned a lot from that. It's, I didn't really know that. If you've ever been to Hong Kong, uh, it's an incredible city, incredible place to visit, and I think the, the world is so distracted by so many other things. But I think we really should be paying attention, closer attention to what is happening in Hong Kong.